This year, as we make our way towards Christmas, we're reading in the Gospel of Luke, the way that Luke tells the story of what happened long ago. And he always includes in the story the story of John the Baptist. Our reading this morning comes from Luke, the third chapter, and it reads a little bit like a new beginning to the gospel itself. I invite you to listen for God's word. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough waves made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so, dear God, we come this morning to hear your word. We ask that you would speak to us, and that you would quiet within us any voice but your own. For we pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So Advent is that season in the life of the church in which we hold our breath in anticipation and expectation of some kind of fresh coming of God into the world. Annually, the church's calendar is marked by this expectancy and this preparation for a new inbreaking of God, for the fulfillment of God's promises. It's not simply the arrival of the Christmas season. This morning, we have just lit the candle of peace, and it will indeed take a fresh inbreaking of the Prince of Peace to smooth out the rough places in our world and in our lives. After the terror of what has happened in Paris and in Colorado and in San Bernardino, there's a lot of talk publicly about arming ourselves for our own protection and building walls of separation to keep others out. On Black Friday this year, the FBI processed 185,345 background checks. That's roughly two per second for the firearm sales in this country. So apparently there will be plenty of guns under the Christmas tree this year. 
In Chicago, they are protesting the police. And in San Bernardino, they are so grateful for them. Who can straighten out the mess that our world has become? It is a crooked, it is a broken, it is a jagged, it is a rough place. And is there any hope beyond some new legislation or some enhanced TSA procedures or some more secure borders? Now every year during this season we read about John the Baptist, the prophet who prepares the way of the Lord. And we're reminded that God is not yet done with us. Advent is a time of waiting, but it's also a time in which we say, but wait. Just when you think the story is over, some unexpected turn of events brings new hope. Just when you begin to believe that God does not keep promises, but wait. Just when you're about to give up on the entire idea that God can do anything in life or answers our prayers or loves us or even knows what's happening in our lives, there comes a but wait moment when some unexpected turn of events or some change within yourself starts an entirely new beginning. Not something you designed, not something you expected. All of a sudden, your luck changes and life begins again. To be an adventure with the Lord. That's the story Luke is telling us this morning. John the Baptist is this link between the prophecy of Isaiah and his promises and the advent of the coming of Jesus Christ. All this history, all those names I just read and mispronounced. It's all to say this is not a once upon a time kind of story. This is a story that took place in history. God keeps His promises. Those promises become real in real time, in history and in our lives. In Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, Malvolio exclaims, Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. End quote. Well, John the Baptist was destined for greatness from the very beginning, according to the story of Luke. Jesus will go on to say about him, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, and yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. It was many years ago now that our family was traveling in France. We were in the south of France, 
we visited what's called the Unterlinden Museum in Colmar, France. We walked from room to room and from picture to picture. Periodically, our docent, who was giving us the tour, would ask our little group if we could describe the subject matter of the art in front of us. What was the artist trying to communicate? And she seemed surprised every time one of us was able to identify some biblical character in the art, either the painting or the sculpture. So we approached this famous altarpiece known as the Grunewald for its artist. It's sometimes called the Eisenheim. It's an altarpiece with three sections so it can close and open. And our guide asked, uh, who is the man in the red robe holding the book in his left hand and pointing with his right index finger? And I immediately replied, well, that's John the Baptist. And she looked astonished, and she asked, how do you know that? And I said, well, look, he's dressed in the rough clothing of the wilderness, and he's holding the Scriptures in his hand. It's probably turned to the prophet Isaiah, and he's pointing towards the Lord. Her surprise that I could identify John the Baptist was matched by my surprise that apparently the average visitor to the Unterlinden Museum has forgotten how to interpret their own art. They're no longer familiar with the biblical story that inspired it all. Christian faith and art history remember John the Baptist because he reawakened hope in the promises of God in the midst of a time of great adversity. He called people to repent from their hopelessness, turn from their sins, and once again take God seriously. Christian hope is envisioned in the midst of adversity. And it's envisioned by those who simply catch a glimpse of what by faith is yet and can yet happen in our lives and in the world. Now according to the New Testament book of Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God so that what is seen is made from things that are not visible. So writes the author of Hebrews. You see, hope believes that a new beginning will emerge by God's faithfulness, even in the midst of whatever mess we happen to be in at the present time. The belief that even in this God-forsaken situation, a new beginning will emerge. So we must continue to live faithfully, through adversity, and trust in the Lord. Pearl Kashashian 
came to know this kind of hope. This Armenian woman of faith turned to her husband, who was 65 years old, laying in a bed, after the nurse left the room and said, George, can you hear me, darling? Shall I read to you? His eyes fluttered for just a moment, suggesting that he had heard her, and so she reached for her Bible, and she turned to the 23rd Psalm, and she began to read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, Pearl had survived the persecutions of 1894 to 1896 in Turkey, when more than 200,000 Armenians were killed. And by 1915, that number had exceeded a million. As a young woman, she left her hometown. She lived through a desert experience across central Turkey, and she came finally to America. And after reading that psalm to her husband, she whispered, Truly, George, my cup runneth over with happiness. Reflecting on her past life, the theme of the psalm, the exodus, the wilderness wandering, and finally the enter, entry into a land of promise, it all made sense to her. Like countless immigrants to America, Pearl's story echoes that progression of many refugees. Because she lived through persecution. She survived a harrowing desert experience. More than once as she traveled across the desert of Turkey, she was without food and water. Miraculously, they were held on the right paths to avoid danger. On one night, Turkish soldiers surrounded the group, bringing them well within the shadow of death. But a rod and a staff quite literally protected them. The experience in her youth became for Pearl a resource that she now responded to in the presence of her dying husband. And his final question to her, what will you do after I'm gone? And she said, no, it won't be the same. But God is good, George. Remember how he protected me during the massacre and brought me safely to America? Surely you can trust God to take care of me now. You see, Pearl believed in God's faithfulness and she came to rely upon that hope in the Lord's ability to make a way forward where there is none. Hope. We often think of hope as nothing more than something we look forward to, perhaps a vacation that's coming, or a Christmas homecoming, or a new arrival in the family. But all of those things assume that in due course what we want will actually come about. In truth, hoping for what we want is really more like wishing than anything else. 
Or it's even kind of setting a goal. And there's nothing wrong with setting a goal. But it's not hope. Hope has to be more than something we've known. Hope begins not apart from reality, but it's embedded in it every day. It begins with that all too vivid reminder that we cannot do this ourselves. We can't wave a magic wand and bring peace to the world. We cannot make this twisted world right. And it begins daily with that sense of defeat. That's where faith and hope and love always begin. And that's why they become so powerful in human life. You see, people like you and me may fall under the illusion that we can get by with mere wishing. If we wish hard enough, if we work hard enough, we will preserve our own lives. We can be our own Savior. We can succeed. And often, we're right. We do. We do succeed in a way. But we sometimes lose hope. If all we hope for is what we can control. And we can't straighten out the mess this world has become. So we dare not be naive about the world. It is broken. It's twisted. It's sometimes violent. Faith understands that. But our hope is not based on the way the world is. Our hope is based on God's grace and what it will become. And so the church points towards her Lord with hope and with confidence that a new beginning will emerge because of God's faithfulness. Just like John the Baptist in that Grunewald altarpiece. Many of us wish for a different world. The world around us, the world within us, gets twisted into grotesque form. It distorts human life, and communities become destructive in their patterns. But there's a new beginning by God's grace. And it began long ago in the most unremarkable place. And it seems that just for a moment, the entire creation held its breath and ever since, people have found new beginnings within themselves and it's affected how they live with others. And all of it is centered in the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't know what wilderness concerns you this morning, but long ago in another wilderness, the people of God began a journey towards a land of promise and the Lord fed them with manna from heaven to sustain them on that journey. And then Jesus reenacting that meal with His disciples fed them with a new hope for a future that belongs to God. And every so often in this life the ordinary becomes the bearer of something extraordinary. 
And so we come to this table. This is the Lord's table. And this sacred meal this morning to be nourished in that same hope that has sustained God's people through the generations. We come as people of faith with the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So let us come to this table that we may receive from the Lord that which nourishes and that which satisfies human life and launches us again in the advent of new beginnings with Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.